0: Find a way to be vulnerable. Yeah, I think um, the healthiest, longest standing relationships that have been productive that I've seen, whether it's myself included or outside of myself between black men, um, is they're courageous enough to be vulnerable with each other and be like, yo, bro, this is what I could bring to the table, but also these are the things that I actually struggle with and I, I can't have you depend on me for this.
1: What's going on everybody I'm glad that you're back we have another dope brother with us today this brother has unbelievable talent as far as being a creative entrepreneur and everything else that involves bringing and elevating creatives together we range from topics that expressed and talked about why spaces of creativity is needed how your story is your greatest asset and why being vulnerable with another brother can help us grow together enjoy welcome 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 back everybody We have another dope brother with us today. We have a creative guru, a visionary, and the CCO of a multi-million dollar company. Hey, brother, (laughs) if you can introduce yourself, please do.
0: Yeah, man, happy to do so. First, thank you for having me, man. Uh, My name is Will Toms. I am the co-founder, chief creative officer of a company that we call Rec uh, in Philly. They know us best as Rec Philly, and um, what Rec is 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 a creative agency, but also a membership club for freelance creatives, you know, and, and you know, my my whole vision there and, and our purpose for REC is to really empower creative people to do more of what they love. Um, you know, we may get into that a little bit further, but, you know, that's really just a core piece of who I am. And fortunately, I've been able to build a business that connects to that. But I'm a proud Philadelphian. I'm a son, a grandson, you know, and, and all those fly things, but also, um, but also you know, creator made in the creator's image, man.
1: I feel you, brother. I feel you. I love the fact that you also gave you your identities as well, because that's one thing that Black people love to do. We love to say we're a son, we're a cousin, uh, nephew. all that. I think that's one thing that we love as Black people, is to show our identity. And um, I do want to just jump right in and get right into the first question I got for you.
0: Let's get to it. All
1: right, brother. So what's one thing you love about being a
0: one, one thing I love about being a black man is, I mean, there's, there's just so much inherent swag and, and greatness just in our being, you know, um, there's something special about knowing that every everything else, com- everything comes from us. You feel me? Like, you oh, know man. what I mean? It, like, especially when we just talk about blackness, like, you know, there's, there's a there's a swag to how we walk to how we talk to to you know how we move energy in rooms you know mm-hmm. there there's a certain creativity that's inherent you know just in my blackness right mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade that for anything you know there's just such a deep power um in our identity when we get a chance to really lean into it um and also just that camaraderie you know amongst black men you know like. I could be moving in, in spaces and places, you know what I'm saying? I see another brother and you just give him that, that nod, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think that's a, a solidarity that doesn't really get spoken on too too often. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, that's one thing I love. I just love, you know, the, the swag has been in us, you know? I agree with you,
1: brother, because when you say swag is within us, I also say it's within everybody else. <laughs> Let's hmm. be honest. Um, A lot of people want to be like us. A lot of people want to um, do things that we do. Um, That's right. You said we create everything first. That's right. And the fact that we create a system where, as Black people, you create a system where you see greatness, you see potential, you see love. I think that's one thing that we support. I think that Black people, I can add that one thing that I love is that um, we're different. We're unique. When we step into a room, a lot of people don't know what we're bringing. And yeah. I think when you bring that that bag of just swag, love, and blackness, like you said, right? Yeah, you get the real. And I think that's the main thing yeah. you see amongst us brothers and our sisters. We see the real, and
0: yeah. that's and, one thing that I love. Go ahead, Go ahead. Yeah, and one thing I would say, like, because I think you hit it on the head with that. Like when you mentioned that, you know, you kind of see our swag in everybody, right? Yeah. It's like, yo, we gotta be honest. Black culture runs the world. You know, and recently, you know, black culture, black uh, hip hop, right, became you know officially kind of the the biggest and largest and widest art form, right? So for me, that's why I get so proud about the work that I get to do, you know, with with REC because it's like too long in the entertainment industry have we relied on other people to value our work, right? Tell us that hey, I'm going to value it at this, and and because they used to hold the keys to distribution and getting it on the radio or in the the, the theaters, et cetera, we we played that game. Right, but technology is allowing us to, you know, go direct to to consumer. Get our our art, you know, whether it's our fashion, our dances, our sayings, you know, our music, get it right to the people who love it. And I think that that's bringing a certain level of empowerment to a whole generation that we haven't seen before. So when we get to this place where like we could really sit in that in, in that power, um, yeah, it's get really inspired for 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 what's going to come, you know, knowing that we'll we'll be we'll be normalizing things like ownership um, and equity, uh, especially when it's connected to how we express ourselves, right? Yeah. I think I think that's really, like, the key.
1: Okay. Again, in that space of ownership, um, I know I gave you three titles um, that you love, but also you gave yourself titles as well, your own Son and everything else. I think that one thing that we want to dig deep into is um, just how did you discover your Blackness or being a Black man? When did you discover that?
0: Man, Um, I don't know if the first time I discovered it was was like by choice, you know, Um, you know, I I had the experience of, you know, my family's from Germantown, you know, Mm -hmm. so the earliest parts of my life I spent, you know, in Germantown and you know, I went to church, you know, in Frankfurt, you know, and then I was I was in church a lot as a youngest. So like that was a really big part of my life. So in those environments, you know, it, it wasn't a conscious thing to think of myself as a black person because everybody was black. Yeah. Right. But then as I got older and then, you know, my grandmother was like, Yo, we won't go we going to move out to to this part part of the of the area so we can go to this school and things like that, you know, I ended up going to a predominantly white uh, high school. Um, but even before then, you know, like even in, in, in times of elementary and, and, and middle school, interacting with other kids, right, that didn't look like me, they always had a way, I think, of like reminding me like, yo, you're different, right? And, and if I could like think back to some of the earliest moments, like, you know, being a kid and, and um, even just feel like teachers treated me different. You know, like I, I would I would realize like the expectations for my academic success seemed lower than the expectations that they would give others. Right. And like between that and, and you know, just playground stuff with kids, you know, people people saying what they want to say. You know, young kids are ruthless. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. I've definitely been on the receiving end of the people calling me a nigger and, and all of that. So I think like those were the earliest moments of like recognizing my blackness. And unfortunately they weren't positive moments, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all of that, that that I think you navigate. And then, you know, I think as I got older and really started to kind of like seek my own understanding and history for myself, it was almost like a, a a deeper understanding of what my blackness really meant. Um, and that was all, always, in, in a more affirmative and positive manner, right? And I think it's important for us all to seek that out for ourselves to really be able to stand in that. And then the last thing I'll say is like, you know, that that's, you know, a little bit earlier in my journey, but even what's most recent for me is like, I just got to go to Africa for my first time um, last month, you know, and that was just such a powerful experience of like, just being able to really reconnect and also remember right like just who we are and what we are and um, I think the best way I've been able to articulate it so far is like I came back from Africa with what I feel is like an inheritance you know Um, not financial but like spiritual and and historical and cultural Um, and that's been showing up in really beautiful ways since I've been back
1: congratulations that's that's one place that i'm trying to get to with my wife and my family Um, i want to thank you first for Mm. providing you with that trajectory of having a negative experience Mm. and saying hey it's not all positive when i found out my blackness but then you turned it into a positive as you got older
0: yeah that's
1: one thing that we kind of that journey that we go on we're trying to figure out okay i'm black How is I'm I'm looking different
0: from everybody else. Yeah. How does that play a role in my life? Yeah, and listen, and if I'm being super honest, like how how that played a role in my life early was tough. You know, like, you know, I I come from parents who who really were deeply affected by institutionalized racism and and all of all of the things that come with the the black American experience, you know, like my father's about to do his 25th year of incarceration this spring. Right. Mm-hmm. Like my mother has, has battled a, a a drug addiction for, for most of my life. And then mm-hmm. God rest her soul, you know, she just passed away. But it's like I was a kid who in the early days, especially when I'm navigating spaces with non non black people, I looked at my story as as a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right. I was in classrooms hoping that somebody didn't ask me what my dad does for work, right? Like, bring bring your parent to to class day. Like, that wasn't a positive moment, and and that was connected to my identity. Obviously, there's other races and cultures of people who experience things like that, but the the difference was as a as a black person, it's like it's not all that abnormal, right? To have a family member incarcerated and things like that. Um, so it was important for me to. To, to reframe those things, because as I got older, I realized, yo, me hiding out, you know, thinking my story is a liability is hurting me, you know, um, in a personal sense, but also even in a professional sense, because when I reframed it and really got to understand that, like, nah, yo, my story is my greatest asset, you know, it allowed me to show up for my people in a way that was much more real and connecting, you know, um, so, yeah, I think that reframing piece is, is, is just vitally important um, because it starts to, to reframe how you see yourself, you know, and then what what then becomes possible when you adopt a new mindset and perspective on who you are and what you are.
1: Okay. I do, I do want to dig a little deeper into that because sure. um, in this space that we have, is called In the Den. So I already hit you with the when did you discover your blackness? So it's also when did you or how did you explore those feelings of negativity when it came towards a black in a different space but mm-hmm. then also how did you explore your feelings of having to, that wanting to um, talk about your dad talk about your mom and talk about yeah. yourself and want people to connect with you
0: yeah how did I explore it I mean poetry mm. you know art yeah. you know like I know a lot of people say this they'd be like Yo, art saved my life right or yeah. music saved my life but like yeah. that's that's a real thing you know like when you have those feelings of feeling, you know, outcast or too much of this for this crowd and too much of that for this crowd, like for me, that pen was the first way of understanding myself fully, right? Because I had to just get it out to even know what it was that I was feeling. And then once it was out, it was like, oh, snap. Okay. How do I feel about what I just wrote and read back, right? And, uh, and what do I want to do with this now that I feel this way? Uh, So that was honestly where my my love of of art and creativity kind of started. It was first as, as, you know, someone writing poetry. And then I fell in love with visual arts and I got my first camera. So then I'm telling stories that just like resonated to me. And I didn't really know this super consciously when I'm doing it as like a teenager making short films or shooting music videos. And the subject matter is about kind of this feeling of alienation, right? And maneuver in different circles. But looking back, right? I could tell that that was me really just exploring self and, and, and healing self in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I fell in love with just like that version of myself that was expressive, right? That was creative. And I loved how I felt when I was around other creative people, right? Because that felt the safest. That felt like the, the the best place for me to be the fullest version of me. Mm-hmm. And both that idea of, of loving how I felt being around creatives and the idea of like needing community right this idea of trying to find the spaces that made sense both of those things directly impacted what I've really dedicated my life to now which is wreck right and literally I I build, I build spaces for creatives um, but none of that would have been possible if I didn't find ways to explore you know kind of what was happening you know in here first mm-hmm. and then realizing, Dang, I'm this this black boy from germantown ain't the only person who needs spaces like these right yeah. and um yeah so here we are
1: i'm glad that we are here now i'm very <laughs> glad that we're here right now because me too without you putting pen to paper who knows what you would do hmm. like let's be honest uh, that's right <laughs> for, for myself i'm in the same space brother this it's, it's uh, um i do creative writing so I've told people on several occasions that um, I got awards for writing. Not for math, not for science, not for anything else. Mm. I got it for writing. And I got a a surprise at my high school graduation. Um, And they said the best writing award or whatever the award was called, they said, Octavius, come on up. I turned around and looked at my mom. My mom was like, go do what you do. Mm. And that's what I love to do. I love to write. And when I say write, I mean, <laughs> I got a, um, it's called The Life of a Train Ticket. And a lot mm-hmm. of people think it's about a young man getting on the train. I'm like, no, it's about the actual train ticket. <laughs> and in that creative space it's just about what happens to the life of that ticket that you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just flow in that space, brother. And I think for you, and hearing you say, I put pen to paper, and you're a poet. I love to yeah. read poetry, but I, I don't write it. So I mm-hmm. think there's another brother that says, I put pen to paper. That's a challenge for me to say, brother, you read it all the time. How about yeah. you try to do it? And I think for you, and I just said, who knows what could happen? You picked a route for yourself and created a lane for yourself. That's right. Because a lot of black boys, a lot of black men are told to go into sports the music mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. they're told to go to those two industries, and that's it. And mm-hmm. they're never told about the B plan to that specific route. Yeah. So when I say the B plan, I mean like, okay, you may not play basketball. You may not be the best in basketball, but you'd be an agent.
0: Right. You can be a it's a lot patient. of jobs. It's a lot, it's a jobs lot of jobs around industry. it. It's hundreds of people are employed by the machine that is Beyonce, right? right. <laughs> It, it takes a lot of careers to, to make Beyonce Beyonce. So I agree with you, bro. Thank and listen, and I, and I think the, the other thing for me is like, man, and you know what? So I I, I know we, we already had this question, but like, I think the fondest uh, moment where I really realized my difference and my blackness when I was in like a, a predominantly white space, I actually had a, a teacher in middle school who one of the assignments for like I guess that like semester or whatever you want to call it in middle school, um, she challenged us to, to write up, to put together a poetry book, right? Mm-hmm. And and that was so exciting for me because again, I'm this kid who is already writing and, and things like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, I could do this, right? This yeah. is fun. And I really challenged myself to like really like embrace it, right? And, and um, I remember writing a collection of like 12 to 15 poems, and they really were super personal about my uncle, who had just been murdered, and about my mom and about my dad and all these things, and I remember feeling so proud of the work that I had did. Yeah. And then the time came, and she ain't mentioned this. She was like, "All right, this is the part where we now share our poems with the class." Yeah. And I was like, "Well, it's a whole different thing. Who yeah. are we we talk about right yeah. because it was so personal to me." But I I remember just distinctly feeling like no one in this classroom is ready to hold my story. Yeah. You know. Like just cause there's a disconnect. There's a there's a they they not gonna understand, like they not gonna you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember in those moments was like and maybe a part of it was me separating myself, but it was us and them for real for at that point, because it was like, nah, y'all not even ready, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it was, you know, having mentors on TV at this point, right? I didn't know them in real life, but my mentors at that time were people like Puff and people like um, you know, Master P and and even like Hove, and then watch a state prop. Like yeah. those were the people who looked like me that were also building businesses, right? But they didn't have to switch up who they were to do it. And I yeah. think at that point in my life was like I set the tone, I set like that intention, and was like, "Yo, I have an opportunity to do that." And I just think like it's really hard to be what you can't see. So like having just models of that mm-hmm. um, was a difference maker for me, and. Um, yeah, and, you know, for me, I'm living my life in a way where hopefully I can I can be that difference maker for somebody else, you know.
1: Okay. I do want to ask, because you, you did um, go backwards, so I do want to see mm-hmm. um, how we can get through um, the understanding of the trajectory of you as a Black man. Mm-hmm. So you talked about yourself as a young Black man. You talked about yourself. I, I know you didn't talk about, like, high school or anything, but you also talked about Um, you now. So I do want to ask the question of how did you navigate I know you you said you're from Germantown. Mm -hmm. A lot of, we want to say a lot of young black men from Germantown do not make it out of Germantown. We've heard heard several um, news clippings and everything like that around this area. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people want to talk about, I want to talk about how did you navigate society so successfully uh, as a black man from you being in those situations with um, different to yeah being the cco of a multi-million dollar company so yeah how did you navigate so successfully because i know you said you've watched several people from afar one mm-hmm. of those black men that you've seen that were close to you that were connected to you how did you navigate
0: so successfully yeah man so i'll say this one i have to give a lot of credit to of my success to my grandmother who raised me Right. I was raised with mm-hmm. my grandmother, one of the most courageous and just strong women I've ever met in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's and the reason I have to start there. Right. Is because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a family. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. like I came out the womb on my own and was like, let's get it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for context, my grandmother's experience is she had four sons, you know, and one of them was murdered at 16, right mm-hmm. on the corner of our block in Germantown all of the other three spent at least 10 years in prison, mm-hmm. right? One of which died in prison, unfortunately. Rest in peace to my uncle, me and my father, who, who like I mentioned, is about to be on year 25. So like having those men in my family be the closest examples of Black men mm-hmm. and, and as a kid traveling in and out to the prisons, mm-hmm. I really had a clear picture of what I didn't want for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it and it was like, yo, I understand what people is doing out here in these street and I understood the real consequences. Right. It wasn't just a figment of imagination for me. It was very real. So, like, the best thing, you know, that my grandmother ever did for me was really help me understand the power of two things. One, education and two, environment. Hmm. Right. Like. And when she decided that she was like, yo, you're going to this high school versus staying where we at, mm-hmm. that changed the course of my life. And I'm not saying that you should have to do that, right? Yeah. It, it sucks that that has to happen, but some, that's just is what it is in, in certain scenarios, right? And again, yeah. with the context of what she's experienced and what the streets did to her children, it was too clear, right, that she had an opportunity to do something different. Um, but that idea of environment stuck with me my entire life. And I think the next thing that was most critical for my success is when I found other brothers around me, no matter what color they were, right? But when I found other brothers around me that I felt like, yo, we have a similar vision for what we want for ourselves. We have a similar heart space we're coming from. I clung, clung to them tight. Cause it's like, I knew that like, it could either go one of two ways. It's like, yo, I'm out here trying to do something great. And the people around me, the people I share my most intimate ideas and thoughts with, they can either be the people to be like, now nah, you bugging, bro, why are you trying to do that? Or they could remind me who I was and be like, yeah, bro, we could do that, let's go. And I'm willing to help. So I think the the, the people that I surrounded myself with, like that little echo chamber, right? What became like the fortress for me, you know, to be able to dream as big as I wanted to dream and not have to hear the naysayers. and. Um, One of those brothers is now my co-founder and business partner in this multi-million dollar venture that we've built, right? The other one is also a a successful creative entrepreneur, you know what I mean, who we still speak regularly. So it's like the the thing that I would want to make sure that I'm articulating clearly is like that power of environment, whether it's putting yourself in the right space physically, but more importantly, like your environment of the people you surround yourself with and really allow to be close to you is gonna create your outcome, right? And we hear this growing up, yo, the five people that you surround yourself with, right? Like mm-hmm. all that, but it's the realest thing ever, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the things that I think were really responsible for how I've been able to navigate. Um, and then the other thing is just like, the mindset of, of giving more, than you take, you know? Like always wanting to try to give more of the value. Um, just in a sense, it's like, come on, a lot of us grow up knowing and our parents tell us, you better be ready to do twice as much to get half as much, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I don't condone sticking with that mindset forever, but like, it's a real thing. And then once you get older and, and you're just come from, is from, you know, a hard space of servant leadership where you're like, yo, I'm willing to give more, you know? I think that's really unlocked a lot of doors for me, uh, whether I knew it in in the moments or not. Uh, so yeah, environment, you know, obviously self education, and then that last piece of having that heart of service and being willing to give. Yeah, I think that was the recipe.
1: Hmm. I'm not normally speechless, but I want to say thank you. For saying. <laughs> I really do, because it laid it all out. Because I can come from the angle of I had a single parent household, and my mom surrounded me with black men that she trusted. Mm. So when I say yeah. my black Mount Rushmore is these black yeah. men that I grew up watching, Yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, so it's not Jay-Z's not... I'm like, no. It's yeah. my Uncle Tiger, <laughs> my papa, who helped me in um, my primary daycare product. That was his wife. Mm. Uh, my Uncle Lenny, the electrician. Mm. I got my Uncle Mark he's a scholar wow. person that reads all day he's doing this doing that um, yeah and then i got a good brother mr cove who's the last teacher. one mr cove mm. he's a math teacher so these That's black flat. men that i look at i grab something from them and said you know what i love that about you
0: yeah yeah and I
1: take that and see how i can put it into the world yeah but i also have to remember i have to be me too Right, but like, I not it have to be. Me. I'm right. very outspoken, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I gotta like you know dial it back a little bit. And I think for you and what I'm hearing when you, because I wrote it down, you said education, environment, just service. That's key for what I've seen and what I've experienced. So when you said it, that's why I closed my eyes because I got emotional because that's what it is. That's it. Yes, it's education from institutions, but it's also self-education, like you said in the yes, beginning. Sir. I had to learn about my history, and my blackness. That's what you said.
0: They wasn't teaching it. it, wasn't
1: teaching <laughs> it. <laughs> so, if you say environment, I also dig deep into that too, because your environment plays a role. In my opinion, it plays a role in how you how you get raised.
0: The deepest role, man. The deepest, and look, I'll I, I'll give it. I'll, I'll say it from a couple different angles, right? Like mm-hmm. it's. When I was, when I was um, building Rec, right? Mm-hmm. I really started to immerse myself in learning architecture, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the cool thing about architecture, when you really get into it and you start to, to see the patterns, I had this amazing epiphany of, wait, architecture is actually not about building buildings. Mm-hmm. Architecture is about designing people, mm. okay. right? Okay. So as an architect, right, as someone who creates space, if you really get into it, you have the power to say, OK, so what is the outcome that I'm designing for? And then what needs to be in this space to make that outcome possible? Mm-hmm. Right. So like someone said to me one time, they were like, yo, who's the most important architect in your life? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then they were like Ben Franklin. Because he designed the row home. Mm. And I said, whoa, right? Because Ben Franklin decided, hey, if I could make the footprint of the house as small as possible, I would have to pay less taxes to England. So now we have in Philadelphia, literally most of our blocks and all of our cities are these tall, skinny homes that are all on top of each other, right? Mm. And that's created a, an environment of scarcity, an environment of this and of that, right? So it's just like that environment thing just gets so deep, you know, if we really want to sink into it, but, um, but on the flip side, if you get intentional, you design your environment to do what you need it to do for you, yeah. right? You want to get in shape, take the snacks out your crib, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You want to you wanna have some more money, surround yourself with an environment of people who know how money works, right? And it's easier to say, but like when you actually do those things, you start to realize like in our minds, we think willpower works. I want it bad enough so I'm going to get it. No, that willpower doesn't work. You know, like, you actually have to design your environment to get the thing you want. So, but I could talk about that all day, man. I (laughs) I know
1: um, I I gave you all these titles and you added yourself into them as well. Um, I do want to ask you, uh, we're going into this space of rep, so representation, expectation, perception. So these um, titles that you have, or titles that people are giving you, um, yeah. How do you represent them when you walk into a room? Hmm. As a black man, how do you represent
0: them? So you gave me some titles. Remind me the titles you gave me in the you beginning.
1: Creative Guru. Yeah. That's one I just threw at you.
0: Yeah, that's a good guru. one. <laughs> the
1: stuff I see you do. Uh, yeah. Visionary. And the CCO.
0: Yeah. Look, I think um, specifically those, when I walk into rooms, um, I take I rep that creative title with honor, you know, Um, because I believe that God gave me an opportunity to even like reframe what what that what creative looks like to a lot of people, you know, when a lot of people hear that term creative immediately, they kind of think starving artist, right, Mm -hmm. which is sad, right, because it's like, okay, you know, And I understand where it all comes from, but I I wear that proudly. Like I walk into a room, I love how Jay-Z said it, right? I'm a big hip-hop fan. Like Mm Jay-Z said, I walk into every room as myself,
1: Yeah.
0: you know? And I think as a creative, it's even more of that because you're going to see how I want to express myself, right? Like whether you get it or not, but like from the hat I'm wearing to, you know, the jewelry, the ring I got on, like these are all meaningful things. And like it took a lot of self-work to even be able to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm here, I do that with pride because it's like, again, I've designed my life in a way that affords me a certain level of freedom. So it's like, whether I'm, you know, in a recording session with a hip hop artist or whether I'm at Comcast closing a deal, like, you probably gonna see a similar fit Mm -hmm. from me. (laughs) Right. Like, so I rep that just because it's like, yo, like, you might have a preconceived notion at first, but ultimately you're gonna be like, dang this brother was bringing the, bringing the heat, like, you know what I mean? And whatever space. So I I like to, to use that, that well, Um, the visionary title, man, like, I think the difference between like a dreamer and a visionary, I think like, they're very similar, but different, right. To me, the difference is dreamers, you know, they got, they see all these visions while they sleep, but visionaries are the ones who wake up, bring those things into fruition so other people can see them materialize right in in the real world and um how that shows up for me when i show up in places is i'm gonna show up from an energy of possibility Mm -hmm. right like the way my brain works is not oh what we can't do it is okay what are we doing all right we can figure out the how later but like it's all possible right as long as we're willing to be the people right and we develop ourselves to be the people that that's possible for Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, the C the C O the CCO title, man, that's just um just reminds me that, you know, when I step into rooms, especially representing like rec and, and things like that, that, you know, there's 25 people who are working hard every day to make this whole thing of rec go. And fortunately I just I, I got the fun job of being the face of that, right? And and the visionary of that. So I always hope to to show up in a way that that makes them proud. Um and then I think all those other titles are, you know, the ones I gave myself and my connection to my family is just, yo, I know I'm, I've been afforded an opportunity that many of my family members don't. And I think it'd be disrespectful if I didn't show up and show out and all of those possibilities that I was given, you know, and I think if I do that, I represent them well.
1: Thank you. I'm glad that last part you just said, because a lot of people don't want you to show out. <laughs> That's what you got to yeah. do.
0: I got to, I (laughs) I got to, man. And a lot of people even be asking me, they like, yo, like, where do you find the motivation to like grind hard every day to do this thing? And like, for me, man, I just have such a deep sense of gratitude for the opportunity I was given, because I'm so clear on what the other paths could have been. Like I said, like, you know, I I seen my pop's fate, I've seen my uncle's fate. And even I have brothers who didn't get the same opportunity that I have. So I would just be silly not to to be willing to put in the extra hours of work, right? To go the distance. So it's just yeah, man, I rep them. I rep them hopefully uh well, if yeah. you would ask them, right. <laughs> I, I know we we talked about
1: um showing up and showing out. And I know you talk about being in different spaces, but bringing the same will. Mm -hmm. Um, No society has expectations of black men. You may have some on yourself as well, but I do want to hear from you. um, How do you overcome expectations? Because you you said dreamer versus visionary. When I I heard it, I heard you say, um, from what I'm hearing, a -hmm. dreamer is a person that can just think about it. Mm -hmm. A visionary is one that think about it that'll think about it, but then also put it to action. So for you, what expectations do you have for yourself? And how do you overcome societal
0: expectations? Hmm. Man, I, um, I'm being honest. I have a lot of expectations for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a very go-to, so very, like, particular people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with, I mean, my expectations for myself are... To be a lifelong learner, you know, um, that really, that, that means a lot to me. To be the man of my family that I know I'm, I've been created to be. That mm-hmm. is like a big expectation. Um, to be uh, an admirable partner, you know, in all senses of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be great. You know, like that's, that's, that is my expectation of myself. And, and I'm okay, like, that's fine to me, right? Because I know that I have that within me. So it's like, duh, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I think the, the only way, and, you know, society has all these other expectations of me. And I think the only way I was able to like, weaken the pool of those actually on my life was to put my own expectations in place right for me like i think the only way to like truly not fall victim to like other people's expectations is to be very very clear on what yours are Mm -hmm. you know like i think society has all these goals for us and then if we're being honest, they, they, there's certain behaviors they want to see us, you know, be consumed in and, you know, mindsets that they want us to be thinking through. And it's just too easy to to fall victim to them if you don't know who you are and what you actually want for yourself. Right. Like my grandmother, when I was a kid, used to always say, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And I'm like, ah, I get it, grandma. You, you say this all the time. Right. But but now as a man, I really get it. Like if you don't have that level of intentionality and and want for yourself, it's it's so easy to try to get that love by fulfilling someone else's expectation. But but when you really got that self love brewing, you know, and and the right environment around you to affirm it, it's like, yo, why would I even want to fit into that box? Like they don't even that don't even feel cool. Yeah. Being broke ain't cool. Being irresponsible ain't cool. You know what I'm saying? Playing dumb ain't cool, yeah. right? Like, but in, in high school, it kind of looked kind of fly, right? Yeah. Yeah. It did. <laughs> but, but yeah, man.
1: I, I hear you, brother, because when, when, you, when we talk about expectations for ourselves, we kind of critique ourselves to a point where it's like, there's no end. <laughs> yeah. And when you say that last part you said, I just want to be great. Yeah. There's a song about that. Like, I just want to be great. <laughs> like, that's how that's how I feel. Like yeah. this podcast isn't just because I just want to do it. No, I want to be great, mm-hmm. but I also want to show that black men can talk to each other. Yeah, black men and can like engage with one another, and have some respectful and understanding of conversations.
0: Yo, Octavius, you know how much work it even required for for me to say that one of my expectations for myself is to be great, mm-hmm. or even further to say I'm already great. Yeah. Like, and, and it's crazy, right? I am great, <laughs> nigga, I'm I'm lit, boy. I, Forbes 30 under 30, you know what I'm saying? multi billion dollar business. I went from, <laughs> right? I went from Puff being a, a mentor on TV to now being my business partner. Like, mm-hmm. I'm great, you know? But again, that societal pressure It's like, I used to feel like I had to play small, right? Gotta make everyone else feel comfortable and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, man, that, that, Societal expectation to kill you if you let it. <laughs> it will, so, but yeah, man.
1: I want to thank you for naming things and listing things because as black men, we gotta be comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, I'm a published <laughs> author. I'm a TED Talk speaker. You know what I'm saying, like. Keep going.
1: I, don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. You gotta, you gotta you. elevate
1: each other, and that's, that's yeah, the main bro. thing about this podcast. It's, it's not about just bringing people in. It's like, no, we are gonna have a conversation. Right. We don't talk, but I'm also gonna engage you. I'm, you're gonna express some things. I'm gonna express some things. Yes, we're sir. gonna empower each other. But then mm-hmm. I'm gonna elevate you. I'm like, hey, bro, keep going. Like that's what we yeah. need. We Absolutely. need to see young black men need to see these conversations. That's right. We need to see how to uplift their brother in a mm-hmm. positive way, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and not the negative ways that we can see. Right. Um, that's right. I do wanna. I do wanna move on to this this other question that I have for you because sure. um, yes, you said societal expectations were I can definitely understand that but society doesn't really know or understand a black man in my opinion mm-hmm. and when I get to this question it takes brothers a long time but mm-hmm. it's a very meaningful conversation um, how do you want society to perceive black men as a whole
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay. I, I, I see why I'd be taking some brothers a minute, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want society to see black men as a whole. All right, two words came up for me first. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll start there. The first one is multifaceted. Mm. and multi like multidimensional, dimensional right because um, I think society tries to paint us all with one broad brush like mm-hmm. um and then and I'll come back and talk more about it but then the second one is as creators mm-hmm. you know um on the multi-dimensional point it's like you know, when I think of society, right, I think of who runs that. And and I think the mind of society is run by the media, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about, like, how the media, especially, like, you know, a decade ago, and and before that, how they depicted us as Black men, it was always this, like, dangerous, like, unapproachable, Mm -hmm. tougher than tough, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was, that was how I felt like they wanted us to see us. And then you go even deeper, and then you go into the political realm and then you start hearing people like Hillary Clinton calling us super predators and things like that when she's talking about black boys. Yeah. It's like that That narrative is is there's nothing further from the truth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I want society to see black men as the multiplicity of, of who we are. Like, yes, we can be tough and strong, but we can also be sensitive and, and compassionate. Like, yes, we can be hero breadwinners but also we can be nurturers and are nurturers right like so i think there's a multiplicity right of like what i want them to think of black men as but also like the black experience Mm -hmm. yes there's these things that many of us all experience because of our, our skin tone but also like we got athletes and we got nerds we got scientists and we got you know phenomenal artists like there's a whole range you know like so there's that. And then on the other side, like I just feel like black men and black women, too. But yeah. since we just specifically talking about black men, I just don't think we get enough credit for the creators that we are like, you know, we we grow up and maybe we'll hear, you know, one or two things about George Washington Carver. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like things like ones. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it but it's like so much of culture has been created by us like whether we're talking about inventions or we're talking about the ideas that have moved society forward like it's us mm-hmm. and, I, and i think people have this conversation around our labor mm-hmm. right and how influential that has been to especially america but to the world yeah. but our intellect though mm-hmm. our creativity and our genius i think needs to be in that conversation just as much as the labor of our bodies uh so yeah I, I would hope that society starts to paint us with a broader picture and including our multiplicity and including our our, our creator power
1: again thank you because you broke it that, that second part you said you broke it down mm-hmm. and you didn't just say Oh yeah we're created we invented everything like you could have just stopped right there you said yeah, we're geniuses
0: we are geniuses you've
1: invented a lot of things that have started and pushed this world forward. Mm-hmm. Technically, you know, are creators. We created everything. And, <laughs> and a lot of people are not yeah. recognizing that side. And I'm glad yeah. that you said you distinguished it too. You said, hey, we did labor over here. But as this generation saw, hey, we can do some things a little bit differently. Let's take this labor work, yep. move it over here, and now we can go over and create some
0: yeah, bro, and it's and it's like it, you could we could talk about that specifically through the lens of like modern times, mm-hmm. or we can even talk about it like in the beginning of time, right? Like I have this running joke with my homies. It's like um, when we engage with folks who <laughs> who are not melanated and mm-hmm. they consider themselves liberals, right? Mm-hmm. I just think it's so funny. If you really want to see where somebody's like heart and mind is, have a conversation about the pyramids, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's like, you start to ask the right questions and then it's like, hey, yeah, I'll give black people credit for this. Y'all admitted that, yo, I'll give black people credit for this. And then you start talking about the pyramids and all of a sudden we got to talk about aliens. What mm-hmm. are we doing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just funny. Cause it's just, again, like sometimes people are so conditioned to not, I'm gonna give Black people the credit of our brilliance and our genius, and you start talking about the pyramids, and it's like, oh, there's no way the technology there could have been done by a human. No, there's no way. Maybe yo folks couldn't do it, but like, yeah. we and we we created math. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We created science. Mm-hmm. So like, come on, yo, come up off right. our credit, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done.
1: <laughs> we need We need to hear and I do wanna. Um... I do want to tell you a little bit about, I know we talked about the podcast a little bit, um, but in this space of wealth of knowledge or woke, Mm -hmm. I love to talk to brothers around this space of bringing the younger generation and the older generation Mm -hmm. a little bit closer (laughs) and having an understanding and, you know, break down that tension that we see. Because I know um, in our generation, we have to listen to the older generation, but we also got to give back to the younger generation. And this is my way of showing that. Um, and showing that, hey, y'all are saying the same exact thing. Mm. I hear you, but you got to listen. <laughs> so how can I move out the way and have you two come together and create opportunities and share information, like good brother Kyle Olden said uh, episode one of season two. So we got to share knowledge and create opportunity. So I do yeah. want to ask you this question of um, what piece of advice would you give the younger generation and older generation? Just to break down that tension, or you can say, "Hey, young brother, I hear you," or "Hey, OG," yeah. <laughs> or offering game. <gang. laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. How can
1: we How can you create this a little bit better for this young brother? Hmm.
0: That's good. I think I think you're you're already hitting it on the head with just like listening, mm-hmm. right? Like the importance of really engaging in meaningful conversation and and listening to really hear and understand, right? And not be waiting to talk. Um, Because I think, you know, and I've experienced it as a young person, you you sometimes feel like the OGs are so in their ways that they just really, they think they know what's right and and don't really have a heart space of being willing to be wrong,
1: Mm.
0: right? Um, And with that mindset, growth really can't happen, you know, and I think there is a lot of youngins, you know, even beyond our generation, right? These Gen Z, you know, youngins are are brilliant, right? but they genuinely grew up in a world that is different than how we grew up, right? Like all these posts, like all these kids who grew up in a time where the internet was free and accessible, like on your phone, they're just, their brains fundamentally work differently than us. And they have so much to offer us, right? Not just in technology, but in how they see the world and how they see society. Uh, So I think it's about the OGs, you know, sitting and listening. Um, And then it's the same exact on the other side. It's like, there's no greater teacher in life than real true experience. Right. And I think as a young person, if you 15, 16, you have so little actual life experience that you can't even understand the value of life experience, Mm. you know? So it's like at that point, you just got to shut up and listen, you know? So I think it's just how do we break the ice, um, and create that, that space for, for conversing and knowledge sharing and listening. Um, but to be honest with you i think there's a deep level of trust building that's required for that to even work right um i'll put it like this like i i think for me and a lot of um my friends that are also black men many of us grew up in homes where like we didn't have a dependable father in the household right mm-hmm. and what we realized later on is it may have even taken us longer in our life to even understand the importance of having a mentor that is a black man. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we didn't even know how to really navigate that relationship with an older black man because the trust wasn't there, Mm -hmm. right? So I think there's like the trust building that has to happen. And like, unfortunately, if I'm just like a 15, 16 year old kid who don't come from a lot of money, so I want to get money. The thing that signals I can trust you is the things that are showing me that you visibly have money, which are the worst things to build trust Mm -hmm. over. Right. But that's just what it is. So it's like, how do we make sure that like we find ways to, to rewrite those narratives of like, yo, we can trust each other. We need each other. We're seen as valuable to the other. Mm -hmm. And, um, if we could do that, then I think people can actually come to the table and be like, okay, cool. Let's build. Mm. Okay.
1: I love that. Because it's, it's we're in a space of you gotta figure out how to build together and how to grow together. Got it. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm all about. I'm not about holding doors, like closing doors on people and yeah. not giving them opportunities or hey brother, this is for you, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'll elevate you and put you in the space but you don't gotta do anything later for me, brother. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm here.
0: That's
1: like, that's, that's actual that's, love. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm here. I love you. I'm going to put you yeah. in this space. If it's not for you, give it to somebody else. I yeah. think for me, it's just a better understanding of I want to see us as Black men. Yes, Black people, but Black men grow together as a whole. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, that door right there is closed. Do you have the key for that door? Mm-hmm. Will can say, yeah, I got the key. All right, i don't need it i just need you to connect with this young brother right here because he might need to go through it later at some mm-hmm. point in time yeah so if he calls you you're going to need you to open up the door <laughs> and you can't stand in his way we can't be gatekeepers of what opportunities leave behind that door because yeah. it's not for me and yeah. i think for there are various different doors that i talk about with people you got the glass door you got the revolving door you got the Door that's that's wedged open and you can see, but God is like, hey, You're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. I'll let you see through it and I'll let you stick your arm to see how the weather is, because that's what we do. We stick uh-huh. our hand on mm, a little cold. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm gonna go back in and adjust. And I think that's one uh-huh. thing that we don't we don't recognize. And I think uh-huh. the one door that I pride myself on is the glass door, because you can see what's ahead uh-huh. and it's locked. You, you cannot open it. But you can see. You can see everything that's ahead. You don't have the key of it. This young brother behind you got the key. Mm. You got to tell him what's, what's coming up next. You have to. Mm. Because if you don't, he's going to fall. He's going to trip. And then you can't yeah. come back. Mm. can't. <laughs> because now he can't trust you. That's just how, what I've seen. What I've experienced right. with some young brothers. If I don't tell you what's going to happen, I can't trust you no more. Mm. So now can't I can't talk to you I can't I'm going over here to this dude over here that like you said has the money they can do things
0: yeah right. yeah
1: but you just opened the door and just said go here from what I've seen and experienced mm-hmm. you can't do that with these young brothers now you got to tell them that. you got to tell them so I do want to ask you just to just to go right into this this question what's one thing from your experience or Um, Opportunities and anything that you um, have experienced in your life, um, what's one thing brothers can do to grow together? Like, from your experience, what's you've seen brothers that grow together and just build? They're just like, Mm -hmm. look, brother, we can do this. What's one thing like, what's that one thing that brothers can do
0: to grow together? Hmm. Find a way to be vulnerable. Find a way to be vulnerable. Yeah, I think um, the healthiest, longest standing relationships that have been productive, that I've seen, whether it's myself included or outside of myself, between black men, um, is they're courageous enough to be vulnerable with each other mm-hmm. and be like, yo, bro, this is what I could bring to the table, but also these are the things that I actually struggle with and I, I can't have you depend on me for this, right? Um, and again, it's that idea of like, not thinking about it, like a liability that like, oh, I can't be find, found out for this. I don't know how, to, you know, it's like, no, just put it on a table. Because if y'all genuinely are both interested in building, now it's like, oh, cool. We got the clarity. We're going we to go hire somebody for that, right? Or yo, I, actually, I know how to do that. Well, I could teach you real quick and you're going to be straight. Like, But if you what happened to me in my own experience, what happens if like you have that mentality of being found out because you don't want to be vulnerable, then you start doing weird stuff. Right. All because you just don't want to say, hey, bro, I struggle with this. So you start trying to overcompensate. You start doing things that don't even make sense. Right. Um, But I think there's something really special that happens when like brothers could come together. Ain't no like faking the funk. You ain't wearing no mask. You know, you ain't trying to posture. It's like, yo, bro, like. This is genuinely the desire of my heart, where I'm trying to go. This is what I can contribute. This is what I need support with, you know? And if everybody's doing that, there's this communication that opens up that really allows you to actually be productive consistently and really allows, like, this compounding of energy and effort that it's really hard to describe, but it's like, if you come in early and be vulnerable, it just... It, it, everything gets lighter. You start running faster. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're shining brighter, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd say yeah, it, early on, find a way to, to be vulnerable.
1: I was quiet. You, you heard me. I, I didn't say that one word while you was talking because <laughs> that, <laughs> when I asked that question, I try to be as quiet as possible mm-hmm. because... I want to listen. I want to take heed of what you're saying. And not sit and say, okay, what's the next question? Mm -hmm. No, I got to listen to what this brother is saying. All the brothers that have been on, Mm -hmm. I haven't said, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm trying to take in what you just said. So you saying be vulnerable, but then explain why. It was very important for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And me and my growth, I'm 29 going on 30 next week, February 12th. So it's like,
0: happy, happy birthday, bro.
1: Thank you. So -hmm. when you sit there and say, Hey, I don't know how to do it. And somebody can accept that and sit there and say, you know what? I I got you. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about it. We're going to, we're going to learn this together or I can teach you. That's one thing that, Mm -hmm. that, um, that I'm excited to hear from you. You just said that because now I'm taking it and saying, okay. How Can I go into this space and be vulnerable with the people that I want to build with and say, Look, I'm beyond y'all? I'm not doing none of this stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. I just know how to bring black men together. Sure. Let's figure something out. Mm-hmm. So, Will, and, I'm gonna be, I'm be honest with you right now. If you hear, if, if I call you and say, Hey, brother, I'm I'm just bringing a lot of brothers together, we're gonna build something. I don't know what it is. That's it. I'm calling every black man. You want. Like, And I'm gonna hang up the phone because that's all I gotta do is bring black, black men together. And let them build. Let them be in a space to understand each
0: other. Go ahead, and, and and the beauty is, when you're in the right space, that is enough. Yeah. That gift alone, right, is a superpower, and it is enough. You know. And I want to be clear, like this. This is still something that I have to work through and remind myself of as well, right? Like these are mm-hmm. things you got to renew. You know, because um, even like I have a very clear. Um, Short memory of like, I'll never forget when we were on the fundraising journey, um, mm-hmm. and we we were working through the deal with Combs Enterprises and, and uh, their investment fund. There's a couple brothers over there. Uh, you know, shout out to Tarek Brooks, who's a phenomenal guy. Jay Lundy, head of investments over there, who's a phenomenal guy. And I will never forget there was a moment where we realized that for my co-founder Dave and I, this would be the first time we were going to have someone else join our board, mm-hmm. right? And that's a very meaningful part of a business, like in the journey, because then it's like, me and the person who built it under the hood, right? There's someone else now who has a real voice and decision-making power, right? And in the beginning, I thought that the best way to handle that was like, I had to be the superstar to Tarek, and he had to see me as like, I got it all figured out. And I was like, over time, I'm like, I am bugging. This guy has built billion dollar businesses before, not million dollar, billion dollar businesses. So if I don't take an opportunity to like go to him with my biggest problems, right? Like not once I'm like just complaining, but like, yo, I'm struggling to figure this part of the business out. He can only help me when I do that, right? If I'm trying to front, he can't even really help. But then it's like a beautiful feeling of like, you tell him the thing that keeps you up at night. And then he's like, oh, well, in the last seven businesses that I've run, this is how we solve that. That's very normal. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh you know what I'm saying? And it really just be like that. So, I'm still learning it myself, but I just know it to be true, man. That vulnerability is a superpower.
1: Thanks for adding that, brother. I really do. So, before we end, I'm going to just hit you with, because we're about to go into the space of elevation. This is where I elevate you. Um, As far as elevation, brother, I want you to talk about all the things you got coming up in your life, you can talk about personal, you can talk about business. I
0: just want to elevate you right now. So, what you got going on? All right, cool. Um, so yeah, some of the things top of mind. Um I published my first book last year. It's called Uncommon Sense, Your Strategy Guide to Creative Freedom. So it's really this like strategy guide for anyone who's like, I'm passionate about my thing, I love what I'm doing. But I really need to understand how to build a a scalable and a sustainable business right around it. The book is for you. Right. Literally the the rule book of how to get paid to be yourself. Right. Mm. Ten chapters, super simple from how to really get clear on it, understand who you are to how to build a brand. Right. We always use this word brand and most of us don't really understand what that means. But like how to actually build a powerful brand, how to use, you know, social media to communicate with your people, build a tribe. And then most importantly, how to protect your intellectual property, how to, you know, operate your business in a way that Uncle Sam not going to try to take it from you. Right. Um, so that's all in, in a very simple guide, you know. Um, so go get that if you don't, if you, if you think that that resonates with you. It's on Amazon, but you can also go get it at shop.recphilly.com if you want to get it directly from us because we get more money that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, So the book, I'm really proud of that. Um, And that's the first of, right? There will be more, which is awesome. Um, I have a TED talk out, you know, when will we start teaching freedom is the theme. Um, So check that out, especially if you're an educator and and thinking about what's important, especially for educating black boys and black men, Um, that's out. And then on, you know, more of the rec front, you know, we're we're really blessed that, you know, we've got over a thousand active members here at Rec Philly, you know, our space is here in the fashion district, aka the gallery, there you go. Knows, right? Um, but we've been able to, you know, fortunately figure it out and, and other communities around the world have been reaching out to figure out how, you know, we can bring the model to them. So the first expansion is, is in process right now. Rec Miami is opening later this year, which is crazy and beautiful and a blessing. So that's all happening. Um, and also I'll elevate myself by saying, I'm out here, you know, developing as a speaker, you know? So the folks who, you know, would love for me to speak today, folks, holla at me, you know? I, I wanna make myself available to that, especially if there's, you know, people of color and, and creatives in that space. That's, that's where I'm most passionate. Um, what am I missing? Yeah, I think that, that's mostly it, you know. Check out com. you know, com, And uh, and just follow me, too, because I think, you know, you can stick around for the journey and all the things I'm forgetting. they will eventually cross my Instagram. So follow me. Hopefully you put it in the show notes or something. Oh, I definitely
1: folks. will, brother. I okay, put cool. Everything you just said, they will have links in the description. That I oh, that's love. <laughs> that's love. Appreciate I that. Brother, I want to say thank you. I really do. I want to say thank you. I'm glad that we went on this journey through the E4 model um, that I'm creating. Yes, I love you for being in this space. I love you for what you're doing. I love you just being you, brother. Just be very honest. It might be brother. a little time, brother. Nobody.
0: Listen, man. So I'm you. trying to do. am trying to do my best, man. Because ain't nobody else gonna be me. So, but yo, Octavius, thank you. Thank you for the space, man. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, I think this is just crucially important. You know um i appreciate you allowing me to come and share to your folks you know and uh also i'm excited for all the other things we'll get to do after this i feel like yeah. this is just the the very tip of the, the iceberg. iceberg right it's the yeah. beginning and uh um, yeah i'm excited to, to be in comu- in community with you bro so That's thank you
1: bro. i want to thank you all for listening i want to thank you all for joining us we will have another dope brother with you all next month so get ready for that we want to say thank you, check out our website, check out our YouTube channel, check out our Instagram, all the things that you want to talk about everything immediate. We share, produce, and create content for and about Black men and boys. Peace.